0: to speak on living in two worlds. We live in the natural world, which is familiar to us, and we live in the spiritual world, which is new to us. And being able to manage both worlds is a challenge. Some weeks ago, I brought the first message, and I spoke on... God's Trade-Offs, where Jesus uh, began his public ministry by quoting or reading Isaiah 61, and he talks about his ministry, his work of salvation. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. They're all the wonderful things that happen when we come into God's kingdom and receive God's grace. But once we're saved... Life is not always perfect. And so Jesus goes on to read the next verse and he tells us this is God's provision. After we're redeemed and saved, living in a world that's against us, so in a world that's fraught with problems, he goes on to read, to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and so there are difficult times that come into our Christian lives but God trades them off and from the ashes of our life he gives us beauty from the morning that comes from many experiences in our lives, He gives us the oil of joy. And from the spirit of heaviness that so often comes upon us, He gives us the garment of praise. And we find this is where the spiritual world interacts, comes crossroads with the physical world. Often we, and, I, and I'm sure every one of you were in a similar situation. In the joy and the wonder and the beauty and the freshness of salvation. We, we, we thought we're in heaven. And heaven would continue on earth. But we soon realized we still had difficulties and problems. As we tried to manage the natural <clears throat> and the spiritual. And so my second message, and I have two more messages also, <clears throat> uh, is it takes effort to live in two worlds. It takes effort. And Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten verses three to five. For though we walk in the flesh We do not war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> Hopefully, my voice will come good in a moment. <clears throat> now, fundamental to understanding our life of salvation is knowing the distinction between flesh and spirit. John 3, 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh, And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Living our lives, we need to understand the the separation between the natural and the spiritual world. Between the earthly, natural, and the spiritual and heavenly. Excuse me. There is an old man, and there is a new man. We're part of an old creation, and there's a new creation. There's a kingdom of darkness that's governed by the enemy, and there's the kingdom of God. And these two worlds do not want to cooperate. They work against each other. And normally we find that we're more inclined to lean toward the natural and to go toward the spiritual requires effort. There's no simple solution. There's no easy way. Colossians 1.13 Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us in the kingdom of His dear Son. I want to look at some stories in the Bible. You know, the Bible is an amazing book because it illustrates and helps us understand every aspect of spiritual life, of God's grace, the stories in the Bible are hand by the Holy Spirit. And we can always find the outworking of doctrine and truth in the wonderful stories that we have in the Bible. <clears throat> and what I want to look at first this morning is I want to look at the healing of the infirm man at the pool of Bethesda. John 5, and it will come up on the... Uh, Screen there, John 5, and we're going to read from verse 2 to 8. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, Lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man had been, who had an infirmity, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise up, take up your bed and walk. This is one of the fascinating miracles that we have. Every miracle is a wonder. Every work of Jesus as he ministered to humanity is is beautiful. But this is unusual because you have a pool that has, Bethesda has five porches. Now, They never made pools with five porches and often the critics would think that there's something not quite right with this story, but recently it's been discovered archaeology has unearthed the pool of Bethesda and it's rectangular but divided in two. So you've got two pools and you've got five porches. Now, the Pool of Bethesda was one of the unusual miracles that occurred in Jerusalem at that particular time in Bethesda. It was in Jerusalem, yeah. And uh, once a year, God in His grace allowed the waters to be stirred. They began to bubble and... And there was movement. And the first person that entered into those waters was healed. Quite remarkable. Only one person would be healed. It's the story that we have in the Bible. And we have one man there that was infirm, that lay on his bed, and he'd been there 38 years. Now, that's a remarkable time, a remarkable time. But when you look at this man and you think of the patience and the perseverance and the long suffering, and you know, he was remarkable in that somehow he continued hoping and believing that one day he would enter those troubled waters and be healed of his infirmity but it never happened and then we can look at it, look at this person in another way and, and think surely he could have done more and when jesus finally came and out of grace brought total healing to this man when jesus finally came and and and, and this Man was healed, you know, by, by God's grace. It, it it was wonderful, but but we wonder whether this man did enough in 38 years to have come and been first to go into the troubled waters. You know, you'd think 38 years, you've got one shot at it every year. <clears throat> Clearly, you'd be Hawkeye's, you'd be evaluating. Maybe you kind of realized, you know, half an hour before that the angel was beginning to stir the waters. You had, after each failure, 12 months to work out a strategy. Maybe to somehow find out how, with push and shove, to get there and be the first. But it never happened. 38 years of the time he had, the ability to think and plan. And it seemed that every time he told Jesus, every time he just missed out. And someone kind of pushed and got in front of him. You'd think in 38 years he would have had friends and family that obviously would have come and fed him and helped him to work out a plan that he might receive his healing with the troubled waters. But it never happened. But Jesus, in spite of maybe the effort he never put into getting to the waters, still in his grace, was able to bring healing and wholeness. And my first point here is that faith requires effort. To to come in from the natural into the spiritual requires effort. It doesn't happen by itself. You know, God doesn't suddenly see us in our unwell state and come and, and bring health and healing and wholeness. In fact, if you look at the wonderful miracles of Jesus, there was tremendous exertion from those that were sick that needed his touch, that they did, they, they did so much that somehow they might come to the master and receive healing and wholeness. And, you know, sometimes we can give up in terms of receiving healing from God. We can be at the pool of Beth, Bethesda and You know, we know the waters were stirred when Jesus died and out of his side flowed blood and water. The waters were stirred. There's healing, but somehow we haven't managed to receive that healing and be touched by the power of God. It requires effort. And I just want to share with you something that I just recently gone through and my message this morning is going to be somewhat practical because we all need help to know how to live in both worlds. Paul gives us doctrine and theory and that's good but knowing how to do it's better. And a couple of months ago almost I hurt my back it seemed at work and progressively It got worse uh, to the point where my hips were affected and my groin area was affected. And it just got constantly worse to the point of almost being unbearable. (coughs) And when I preached on Good Friday, I just made it. And Sunday morning couldn't sleep all night and uh, the pain was so intense and I decided in the early hours of the morning that I'm going to raise my hand for prayer when they give the opportunity like we had the opportunity today. I needed the comfort, the warmth, the faith, the power of believers to to be imparted into me that I might receive the touch because virtually I felt at the end of myself. And so that was my plan. So I came to church. This was Easter Sunday. And uh, <clears throat> and this is fine. That opportunity wasn't given. You know, I still there was still opportunity later on. And, you know, I, I, I want to raise my hand. I want God's people to come around me, you know. We all need ministry at times. We all need that touch of God. We all need that power that comes from God's family and God's people. And the opportunity just, you know, there was other, and that's fine. You know, there's other ways of doing it. But I had my heart set on it. And I thought to myself, well, I see who I am at the end of the service. I had nothing left. Not enough energy to go and, you know, receive prayer and so I quickly went home. In the meanwhile, in that month, I had CAT scans and ultrasound just to see what the problem might be. Sunday just became the worst day. Pain, couldn't walk, pain walking, every movement I yelped. And uh, when I went to bed, couldn't sleep. And then finally, in the early hours of the morning, I cried out to God and I said, God, in fact, before I cried out to God, I had a serious talk with God. <laughs> and I said, Lord, i I'm got to be honest, I'm disappointed. You know, I would have expected you by now to do something. You've done nothing. I've deteriorated. I've got worse. I don't know what to do. God, help me. This was early Monday morning and I didn't know how I was going to face the day. God, help me. Give me some solution. I, I, I can't move without pain. Psalm 34:6 says, This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. Well, all my troubles didn't go. And, you know, I shared with God, Lord, I try to minister to others. And, Lord, I need ministry. I believe in prayer. I've been seeking your face. The night before, Mary was cleaning an area where we keep some medicines. And she asked me about a tablet. Yes, I know what it is. And I left it at that. And after prayer, I had a word of wisdom from God, the Holy Spirit. Take that, those tablets. Now I know we've got doctors here, and I don't want you to think I'm a crackpot. But (laughs) you know, they weren't dangerous tablets, and uh, and it was distinct and clear. Take those tablets. And so at breakfast, I took one. Almost immediately, I felt some relief. Lunchtime, I took another one. And the pain was almost gone. And then at dinner time I took another one. And virtually all that agonizing pain, inability to walk and, you know, making groans and yelps you know every time you kind of moved and I I couldn't believe it and my son came around and said look I've got some of this natural spray stuff that might help you I said look wait Michael I, I think something else is working and so the next day from that moment that intense pain I'm not saying I was healed but that intense pain and inability of movement it was totally gone. It was, it was miraculous. It was almost unbelievable that at one moment I felt like this and then I felt like that. And I, and I said, this is miraculous. She said, no, it's, it's the tablets. I said, no, the miracle was the word of wisdom. And, you know, the Bible tells us that the truth sets us free. And that tremendous principle of God within the universe brings freedom and healing and mobility as we discover the laws of science and the laws of medicine. It brings freedom. And I've realized that maybe when I do go to the doctors, I need to pray, God, give them wisdom to use what... Abilities you've placed within the world and ingredients in nature to make these wonderful tablets that are able to set us free from so many things and from illness. And so, in a sense, I could relate to this man. But I tried to do something about it. I try different avenues to the point of... And I I don't feel good about expressing my disappointment to God because I felt He wasn't doing enough. That, That wasn't good to do. But living in two worlds requires effort. It doesn't happen. We try every possible thing. We trust God. We go to His Word. We do everything. And ultimately, as we do this, God in His grace brings healing and wholeness to our lives. The second story I want to look at is in 2 Kings 4. We're not going to read it. It talks about the life and death and restoration of God's promise. It's that wonderful story of the Shunammite woman and her husband and Elisha and his servant Gehazi. How Elisha on his way to Carmel would come past Shunam, and this Shunammite lady made friends and made dinner and cared for the man of God and she said, look, husband, I don't know what his name was, Maybe, maybe we can do something for this man of God, maybe... You know, we can build. We've got a good home. We've got plenty of room. Maybe we can build a room upstairs, which they call the upper room. And we'll build that and put a bed there and put a table and a chair and a lamp. Now, that was pretty good accommodation, believe me, in those days. And that was a heart's desire. And, you know, when she began to think and talk like that, Another one of the great principles, spiritual principles of God became uh, operative where the Word of God says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, God will give us the desires of our heart. And he she and her husband were delighting in serving the man of God, Elisha. Their heart was on God's kingdom and the work of God and the, and, the, and the wonderful ministry this man had. And that principle became operative. And, and Elisha said to Gehazi, look, we're, we're looked after so well. What can we do for this woman? And uh, he called her and said, look, do you want me to use my influence in the king's court? Whatever you want, I can give you. I can help you. She said, I'm all right. You know, we're well off. We don't need that. And then Elisha talked to Gehazi, and Gehazi said, Look, I've noticed they have no children. They don't have a son. Her husband's old. And Elisha, with the faith he had, called her and said, This time next year, you will have a son. She said, Don't mock me. It was impossible. It never happened before. It, It couldn't. And that was the word of Elisha. And of course, we do know that a son was born, a child was born according to the promise of God. Because as we delight ourselves in the Lord, God gives us the desires of our heart. He knows what they are. We don't have to tell him. He knows what they are. He knows the desires of... But delight yourself. Delight yourself in service, uh, in the kingdom of God, in the house of God. Delight enjoy, Find great pleasure in the Lord. <clears throat> and God gives us the desires of our heart. Now, this child, toddler, became a young boy and went out to see his father who was reaping. And uh, his head uh, said, pain in my head, whether it was sunstroke. We're not told what it was. And the father realized the seriousness of it and had him sent to his mother. And his mother nursed him on her knee till midday. And he died. The promise of God. The provision of God. What she never asked for, but God had given her. The delight of a heart. That which changed her whole life died. Now this woman would not just sit back and accept it. She got the fastest donkey. She ran and got the fastest donkey and headed toward Elisha who was at Mount Carmel. And she went as fast as she could. And someone asked her how are things. She said it's well. And then Elisha sees her coming and and says to Gehazi, "Go and ask her. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your son? You know what she said? It is well. It is well. It wasn't well." But she had a faith in God that believed that what God had promised and what God had given, God would perform. And then Elisha recognizes the distress that this woman is in and says, Gehazi, God hasn't told me about this. I don't know what's happened. And then they realize the child is dead. Elisha sends Gehazi with his staff. Go as fast as you can. The woman in the meanwhile, of course, before she left, she placed her little boy on the bed of the prophet in the upper room. She lay him there where she believed there would be faith, where she believed God would it have been, where she believed God would work. And Gehazi comes before Elisha and the Shunammite woman. and He puts the staff upon this little boy and nothing happens. And the Shunammite woman puts her arms around the legs of Elisha and does not let go and says, I'm not going to leave you, Elisha. I'm not going to leave the word of the Lord. I'm not going to leave the promises of God. I'm not going to leave the power of God. And so she went and Elisha came into the room. And he noticed the child was dead on the bed, And he lay on the child. He let the power of God, the promises of God. He let faith, all that he had. He lay hold of God and released. And the child became warm. But the child still was dead and then Elisha walked around somewhat probably agitated he could not understand how God could take something that he had given he could not understand that and then he came back and he lay upon the child his mouth on his mouth his eyes on his eyes And he prayed, and the child sneezed and was healed and raised. It takes effort to live in the spiritual world. And some of us here have had promises. Some of us here have seen our children taken, as it were, from God's kingdom, but they were promised, they belonged to God. We need to get on them, whether it's a towel or whatever it is, and let the warmth of our spirituality, let the faith of our spirit, let the love and the care and the concern of our lives that we pray that God will bring back to life that which had died but should be alive. And some of us need to do that maybe for husbands that aren't in that place with God at the moment that once they were and, 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 and this was God's gift, this was God's promise and somehow the enemy has taken it away. We do not stand back. We're like Elijah. We're restless. God, what's the answer? What do I need to do to bring back to life? That which should be alive, that which you had given me. I had an experience some months ago where God brought something to life. I'll share about it one day. Brought something to life, and it was for His glory. It would release me to do more for God if I could. And uh, it was of God. God. I had no doubts. And then it died. Still dead. Still dead. And I come to it. I come to that promise. I come to that word. I I lay upon it. God, bring it back to life. You gave it. God does not take away what He has given. And I'm still in the process of seeing it happen. And one of my prayer requests was God bring it back. What you gave and what you promised. You see these things we can kind of just learn to live with. But living in two worlds requires effort. Requires tenacity. You know it's. It requires a persistence because naturally it's not just going to happen. It's going to happen when you, with God's power, put all that you have and all that the Word of God is. You you don't let go of Elisha. He was the Word of the Lord. He was the provision of God to that woman. Till we see it come back to life. I want to hear it sneeze, don't you? Seven sneezes. Seven sneezes life and the joy it brings the third and last story concerns Elisha again and my point is the extent of victory is always determined by us Elisha was a remarkable person he was he was a what word What he was a double measured person you know when Elijah was looking for a successor and the anointing of God was coming on Elisha Elisha followed Elijah and Elijah said look you wait here at the river you wait here no he refused and he followed Elisha and then Elijah then Elijah said what do you want me to do for you and he said I want a double portion of the anointing of God a double portion of the Holy Spirit upon my ministry and life. And Elijah said, You're asking for something that's difficult, but if you see me go, you will receive it. Can you imagine Elisha there? He didn't take his eyes off Elijah, he heard the whirlwind come. The whirlwind, and he saw the fire, the fiery chariot, and he saw that fiery chariot take the prophet Elijah into heaven, and he realized that he received a double portion. He was not happy with half measures. Our problem, church, is we don't ask God for enough, we don't believe God for enough. And then Elisha, we come to the end, this story comes to the end, it's in 2 Kings 13, comes to the end of his ministry. And it's interesting that at the end of his ministry, there were twice as many miracles that he, through God, had performed than Elijah. And he's ill, and with that illness, he was about to be taken from this life into the next. And he comes to the king of Israel, Joash and he comes to Joash and he he wants to leave with this, a grand finale he wants to leave with something that will impact Israel something that will impact God's kingdom he wants to leave with a remarkable victory and he tells Joash get a bow and arrow you might have wondered what this was about get a bow and arrow Open the east window. Take an arrow. And he got the arrow. I won't do that, it. it's a dangerous weapon this. <laughs> take, take, take the arrow and and what Elisha did was he put his hand upon Joash's hand. He put his other hand upon the hand that stretched the string and held the arrow, Elisha, who represented God's word, God's power, God's miraculous, Elisha. He said, shoot, and he shot the arrow. And and he said to Joash, Joash, this is a victory against Syria. You have trusted God. God will give you a victory against Syria. But Elisha was... He was not a normal kind of person. That wasn't enough for him. That wasn't enough at all. And uh, he said to the king, he said to the king, go and get the arrows. Arrows that represented victory represented the power of God over so many things. And he said, Joash, I want you to hit them in faith against the ground. I want you to do it and keep doing it because victory for Israel is going to be dependent upon him. And so it hit the ground once. There was victory. It hit the ground a second time There was more victory. It hit the ground the third time. There was more victory. And he stopped. And Elisha got so angry and agitated. Said, Joash, why did you stop? You should have at least gone five, six times. And then you would have totally conquered Syria. But you never allowed your faith to be released. And to believe God for total victory, why did you stop? There's effort required, and as I, we, we, we come to a close i want to I want to take these arrows and I'm going to hit them against the ground and I'm going to mention certain things and i I want you to believe God with me for victory. Amen. I want you to believe God. And, uh, you know, you, you see three. Elisha was a double man. He said, at least six. We don't have because we don't ask. We don't ask God enough. God's given us his bow. The arrows are up to us to use and receive God's victory. And so stand with me, please. We're going to first of all hit the ground and we're going to believe God for victory over strongholds. Amen? Strongholds. Things that hold you strongly and prevent you from being what God wants you to be. We're going to hit the ground again and we're going to believe God for victory over bondage. Amen? Bondage. We're going to hit the ground again. We're going to believe God for victory over fear. We're going to hit the ground again and we're going to believe God for victory over besetting sin. There are some things that somehow we grapple with. and I know as I look back on my life, I thought I'd never get some victories, but I want to tell you they always come. They always come if you believe God. I'm going to hit the ground again and we're going to believe God for victory over anger. Amen. Over guilt. Amen. Over condemnation. Over failure. Over temptation. Over habits. Over negative thinking. Over lying over being grumpy and difficult. And we can add, the church, believe with me. Amen. Believe with me. Give God the glory. Thank Him for the victory. Amen. There's victory. God's working in lives. God's bringing about faith that comes from the arrows. Matthew 11:12 says And from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force There's nothing in this world that helps the kingdom of God apart from God's word and God's people Everywhere the kingdom of God suffers violence. The laws of the land, everything, it's, it's against God's kingdom. But we're told the violent, take it by force. There is effort when you live in two worlds, to get into the spiritual world and allow God to have His way. We here this morning share a commonality of faith. And I want to close by saying we also share a commonality of struggle. But we can make it. It's not going to happen. I don't want to wait 38 years for victories at the pool of Bethesda, do you? I want to strategize. I want to look at every way. I want to look at every movement. I want to see everything that I can do to bring about God's word and God's promises. Bless you.